Uh, I want to talk this morning a little bit about faith in the midst of difficult circumstances, where our life is not going as we anticipated, because life does get messy, and the timeline does not always go as we expected it to. I think in this culture in America and our, our society, especially if you're in a middle-class to more affluent society, we're kind of trained to think of our lives going smoothly. You graduate high school and you go to college. After college, you find a job in your field of study because that's what you went to college for four years for. You work for a while, you meet somebody nice, you are able to afford a house before you have children. But I think some of these things have more to do with the American dream than they do with God's dreams for us. Most of us, our lives are not exactly how we thought they would be at 20. I mean, maybe, maybe. Who, whose life here is exactly how they thought it would be at, say, age 20? Me neither. And there's good and there's bad in that. You know, I just assumed I would be making a lot more money by the time I got to my age. I assumed I would be living next to my twin sister. You're close to my twin sister, my best friend. Um, but there are many things that I'm very grateful that God did not give my 20-year-old self. Teachers, they always ask kids what they want to be when they grow up. Uh, and frankly, some of the expectations are not too realistic. This kid is going to be disappointed with his lack of a ninja uniform. Uh, this next kid, get a girlfriend, kiss her, rule the world. <laughs> Do you think he thinks there's a cause and effect relationship going on there? He might be onto something. Some kids just want to live life. <laughs> and I hope he makes it. And then other kids just want to live life as a dog. You can't blame them for that. I remember during my senior year of college, trying to decide what I was going to do next, I remember thinking, this is it. This is the big decision about what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Ha, I was funny, wasn't I? They say the average American changes jobs 12 to 15 times and changes careers five times. This is real life. And this is real life with Jesus, that he is better and more loving and more powerful than we ever imagined, and that the road does not always go as we thought it would. Our scripture today, we're going to be in Mark 5. It talks about faith in the midst of circumstances, and we're timing, the timing just seems insurmountable. Uh, as we start, are there areas of your life that are not going according to plan? It could be in a relationship, kids, parents, siblings, uh, job, vocation, and career is an obvious one. It could be uh, with your passions, some hopes, some dreams, ministry dreams. What are the areas in your life where, where faith has been challenged? Where have your plans been interrupted? What things are out of order? What things are you really taking to God this morning? Let's pray as we uh, turn to Scripture. God, in the Bible we see how you meet with people how you met with people. And this morning we know that you want to meet with us. So we bring ourselves into your presence. We open ourselves up. And we leave behind distractions, 
uh, disruptions, uh, and we focus on you, Jesus. Thank you for the gift of your word. Would you speak to us through it in Jesus' name? Amen. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Have you ever pleaded earnestly with Jesus for something? He always comes with us. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Wait, what happened to Jairus and this little girl? We've, we've switched gears here. Now we're talking about this woman. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see people crowding against you, his disciples answered. Yet you asked, Who touched me? It's like Tom Brady after a Super Bowl being like, Wait, who took my photograph? Like a thousand people. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It's really beautiful, isn't it? But speaking of daughters, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Jesus had taken his sweet time. He delayed too much. His daughter was dead. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave them strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. We have two stories kind of stacked one inside the other here. Both are about women. One is about a girl who is 12 years old, another a woman who has been suffering 
for 12 years. Women were really undervalued in both Jewish and Roman society of that time. And I love how Jesus gives such attention and the Bible gives such detail to the stories of these women. Jesus really gives an unprecedented amount of attention to the lives of women. So let's look and see what this shows us about how Jesus interacted with these people 2,000 years ago, how they were able to come to him, and what that tells us about who Jesus is and how he wants us to come to him right now. The first thing I notice when I read these two stories is that both Jairus and this woman come to Jesus with their needs. Jairus was desperate for his daughter. He had no other solution for her to live. This woman had been a social outcast because of her bleeding continually for 12 years. It probably did not smell good for the last 12 years. She was suffering physically and emotionally. They did not come to Jesus because they thought it was time for them to explore spirituality or check out religion. They were not neutral about their situations. They were not open-minded or open-handed. They came because they wanted something from Jesus. Most of us come to God in some sort of a transition in our life. It's statistically true. Most people start going to church when they have moved or they've lost a family member. As we think about who we can be praying for, who we can be inviting to church, inviting to things, think about people who are undergoing some sort of a change in their life. It's often when we start bringing things before God. And all of us God wants to be working in what is happening in our life. Faith isn't some sort of a sterilized philosophical exercise. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in the midst of the real hurts and joys of our life. They came to Jesus because they wanted something from him. Jesus is comfortable with our desires, and he wants to be working in every single situation of our life. I think about the stereotypical line people say, God, if you give me whatever, I'll never ask you for anything again. God, if you give me this job, I'll never ask for anything again. If you give us children, I'll never ask for anything again. But it's not true. We always want more from God. Then we want our boss to like us. We want the kid to do well in school. And God is okay with this. He doesn't want silent, submissive followers. He wants people who come to him with faith-filled dependency for every area of our lives. Jairus and this woman come to Jesus asking for what they need. This morning, Be comfortable, be confident coming to Jesus with your real needs, your real needs, because Jesus wants you to. Both Jairus and this woman, they come in faith. That's the second thing I notice about how they interact with Jesus. Their faith brings them to Jesus, and it's in the presence of Jesus that miracles happen. Their faith does not accomplish a miracle. It brings them into the presence of the one who can accomplish miracles. And I think this is why Jesus wanted to acknowledge this woman's faith. 
She isn't healed because she managed to touch the hem of his garment. It would be very easy. Religion's very good at, at telling these stories, propagating these rumors. You just need to do this. You need to touch this, go here, say that, believe that, think that. But it's not true. You just need enough faith, or somebody else just needs enough faith to bring you to the presence of Jesus. I don't think it's helpful to to try to quantify how much faith we have sometimes. Do we have as much faith as him or her? Do I have enough faith for for a physical healing? In the Gospels, we see Jesus heal people because of their faith. We also see people heal, Jesus heal people to produce faith in them. It's both. Me trying to quantify how much faith I have is not usually a productive exercise. Me letting the faith I have bring me into the presence of Jesus, that is always a productive exercise. That is even a miraculous exercise. Faith brings us to Jesus. And in the presence of Jesus, there's the opportunity for the miraculous. We also learn from these two interactions with Jesus that we can believe in Jesus despite the circumstances. Jairus comes to Jesus. He pleads his case with him. Jesus says, cool, I'll do it. And then he doesn't. You you can imagine how, how frustrating this is for Jairus. Jesus has said, great, let's go. And then he doesn't go. He gets distracted. He starts talking to this woman and then all of this stuff. How would you have felt if you were him? I mean, does anyone here get like impatient in traffic or anything? This is Massachusetts after all. You know, you just start thinking about, could this car go any slower? This lane closure is the most unnecessary thing I've ever heard of. I mean, do we have any parents here who still like to be on time to things? You just think, how is it possible for a kid to put on their shoes this slowly? We get impatient when we're trying to do things. Jairus had a dying child. He was impatient. And he wasn't calmly standing on the sidelines waiting. When when the people from his household come, they say, you can stop bothering the teacher now. The word means to like trouble or annoy somebody. He was bothering him. He was saying, Jesus, over here, remember what you told me? Let's go this way. What are you doing, Jesus? Come on, I thought you said you'd help me. We will all ask questions of Jesus at some point in time. I'm sure as Jairus waited for Jesus to heal this woman with a chronic, non-lethal condition, that he had grave misgivings about whether Jesus was doing the right thing. Triage in any hospital would have sent his daughter straight to the front of the line. And Jairus just probably thought that Jesus was committing some sort of like miraculous medical malpractice here. We can question what God is doing. Jairus did, and Jesus seems to be fine with it. Jairus can have all the doubts and questions about what Jesus is doing. He just needs to stay with Jesus, to ask these questions to Jesus, to stay with him. If Jairus had left, 
If Jairus had said, fine, you're not going to help me. I'll go find somebody else who can. This is taking too long. I'm out of here. Then I think he would have missed out. Questions asked in an atmosphere of trust lead to revelation. We need to ask questions. It's the only way we're going to learn and grow. But we need to ask those questions to Jesus, with Jesus. Jairus had just enough faith, just enough trust to stay with Jesus. And that led to revelation. That led to the display of Jesus' authority even over death. I'm also sure as Jairus stood there waiting for Jesus to heal this woman, that he was jealous for her healing. I'm sure he questioned whether he would get his Jesus is being so generous with other people. Is he going to be generous with me? Will Jesus remember what he told me? It sure seems like Jesus cares more about this woman than he does about his own dear daughter. But God never blesses one at the expense of another. As human beings, we have a really deep-seated misconception about God that he has limited resources, that he has a set amount in the blessing bank. And if he gives one person an especially large check, he's going to have less for me. I think this is the root of sin. Adam and Eve in the garden, we all know the story, the fruit from the different trees. They thought that God was holding out on them, that he wasn't giving them the best. The fruit from all the trees was good, but they might be missing out on the best fruit, the one that they really want. The fruit from all the other trees is fine and good, and we can't complain, and we're thankful and all, but we want the best fruit, and we feel that God is holding out the best from us. And it's very easy to think this way, especially in the face of real disappointments and delays. Other things that we think that God might be holding out on us. Good things that we really want. Things that he's given other people. Many of us have a hard time believing that God loves us as much as he loves others. That God loves this woman who has been suffering for 12 years as much as he loves. This happy little 11 and a half year old girl. And then when the tables turn and tragedy strikes as it does, we have trouble believing that he loves this little girl who died in the prime of her life as much as this woman who he healed. As Jairus waited for Jesus to heal someone else first, he probably doubted God's goodness to him. Don't fall into this temptation. As we wait, as we question, don't fall into this temptation. It cuts us off from the bedrock of our faith. Interruptions, delays, questions, jealousies will all happen as we follow Jesus. We have to see that God is bigger than our circumstances. It certainly appeared as if all circumstances were working against Jairus. I mean, The Facebook rant practically post itself. First, he said yes, and then he took it back. Jairus is giving a one, one star on his Yelp review. And then you wouldn't believe it. And I said, man, this is taking literally forever. Circumstances got in the way. 
And it's easy to let circumstances speak louder than the words of Jesus. To let circumstances tell us that something's going to happen or something isn't going to happen. To let circumstances dictate when we have an open door or a closed door, we should do this, we should do that. And we're very quick to declare the ending to a story. We're very quick to say, it's over. This is how it is. I think of, um, I really felt a call to ministry in New England. Really from the time I was in college, I got very involved in my Christian fellowship in college and just really had a heart for, you know, people kind of like me who grew up in uh, New England area, um, not really going to um, a church or anything, and just really had a heart for ministry in New England. So I I went to seminary in Pittsburgh, because that makes sense, right? Full tuition scholarship, it totally makes sense. Um, I married a guy from Ohio, which you know where men from Ohio want to move with their new brides? Ohio, yeah, like, yeah. Um, And so, but Stephen was very um, open-minded and listened to the Holy Spirit together, and uh, we ended up in a church in Connecticut, and by about the time our boxes were unpacked, we realized that they were um, some real issues there, and we had um, a good time there. Some great things happened in in ministry, um, but it was not our our ministry calling in uh, New England. Same thing in Providence. And people would say, how's the ministry calling to New England working out? I'm like, let's, let's not talk about this right now. <laughs> our timing is also overrated in our opinion, I think. I graduated from college at 22. My husband graduated at 27. By 30, we had pretty much the exact same master's degree, and no one would know the difference. Right now in our, our group of friends, um, mid-30s, those who are married, uh, we're one of the fewer without kids, but we're in the adoption process. Um, and so if this is a race to have a middle schooler, we will win. <laughs> uh, so as we come to the end of both these stories, um, worship team, if you guys want to uh, come on up, we see that Jesus had as much love and care for this woman as he did for the daughter. And that Jesus can be trusted to do the best for both. Jairus and this woman received not just what they wanted, but what Jesus wanted. This is the reward for their faith. They get God's will. They didn't just get what they wanted. They got what God wanted. Jesus wants to restore and heal our deepest needs. C.S. Lewis said that miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story that is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. Miracles highlight the reality that we can't always see, that God loves us, that he is for us, that his will is to redeem and restore all that which was broken by sin, that Jesus came to take the worst consequences of us turning our back on God. He came to suffer with us, to cry with us, to die and rise to new life, to bring us into new life with him. When we come to Jesus in faith, 
the good news is we get not just what we want, but what he wants. So as we end, I look at how Jesus, uh, how he meets these two in whatever faith they have, how he meets them in their real needs. And I want to come to Jesus honest about my needs. I want to stay with Jesus despite questions, interruptions, delays. Just stay with Jesus. When I don't understand, when it seems like it's too late, just stay with Jesus. Father God, when it looks like it's over, you are in control. Jesus, when you uh, hung on the cross, people said that it was too late and it was all over. People said there are just some things that that are, are too big, even for this great man of God from Nazareth, this rabbi. He's dead and cold. It's over. We know, Jesus, that in your timing, it is not too late. That nothing is over that you intend to redeem and restore and renew. So we come to you in faith this morning, Jesus. Would you be our center? Would you be our, our North Star, our measuring line? We come to you in faith, Jesus. Amen.